Hello, guys. Welcome to Moms Talk Autism. I'm here with uh, Brittany and Jean today. Our little Tashi uh, is doing a last minute before school starts vacay on the Oregon coast with her kiddos. So today we decided to pull our Instagram community. And here in a few minutes, we're going to touch on all the things you guys wanted to talk about. Stay tuned. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. All right, girls, say hi. Let them hear your beautiful voices. What up? <laughs> oh, a little, a little West wow. Coast for you. Wow. I mean, I am Brittany's West throwing West. gang signs up. <laughs> I know. Well, I, also I, I do want to clarify. She threw I'm a from, peace sign. Um, I think. I'm from the east side. <laughs> I don't okay. know what I'm throwing. Um, is that what I'm supposed to do? Anyway. Like... <laughs> no, don't West, do that. This is... just, just do this. <laughs> oh, I'll give Brittany a little red bandana <laughs> so she can walk on a quick walk. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm in the wrong part <laughs> of California for that. Um, I know, I know. I am wearing my okay. Go Ask Your Dad shirt today, though. I'm here for that. Yeah. It just says Go Ask Sign Your Dad. Me up for- if that was a uniform assignment, I missed that memo. I would like yeah. to have that shirt. I'll buy you guys one for Christmas. It's worth wearing every once in a while. Some days you just wake uh-huh. up and you're like, no, this is the shirt that I need to wear today. I can mm-hmm. tell. Everybody leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not here. So you're- just read the shirt, guys. That's all I got to say. All, all of you <laughs> so children. Read. Read the room and also what is on my shirt, please. Yeah. I mean, in some adults Kids walk too. up, you just point to it, right? Yeah. You just. Like adults on the street. Yeah, I'm like, doing no. All, Go ask We are doing dad. all Go nonverbal gestures today. That is the language. That'll make a fun <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Today, well, not guys. with us. Yes. No. Yeah. Amnesty here. Amnesty here. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to, we're going to jump on into this. Um, But I'm going to do things a little bit differently today. And I am going to say, guys, 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 um, if you love what you hear, we would absolutely love it if you could go to wherever you're listening to your podcasts, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever that is, um, and leave us a review because it helps us find other moms. And that is our whole goal is just to create a really big community of support for all of those other special needs, exceptional needs, parents out there, um, just to feel like they have some more to go. So if you have not yet given us a review, we would really, really appreciate it. Okay. So we're digging into your guys' questions today. So question number one, ladies, is how and when did you make the decision to no longer work outside of the home? Mm-hmm. Who wants Pretty. to go first? Mine should be fairly straightforward because I never officially worked outside of the home once I started having kids. So um, I had Scott a month after I graduated from college. So, um, no, no, a month before I I graduated from college. 
So I, um, I had completed all my classes, had my baby, and then walked uh, in my ceremony. So I had baby Scott with me when I graduated. So I never, um, and then Doug still had a little bit of college to finish up, to finish his degree. So Scott and I just got to kind of hang out in married student housing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was actually really fun. Just, you know, I got to hang out with my baby and Doug was going finishing up school and then we got a job pretty quick after that. Doug did. Uh, and we moved to Arizona for a little bit. So um, I have never worked outside of the home with children. I have done a lot of volunteer work. And then once I had Ruby, I decided to start my own business out of my home. So I have only added things <laughs> <laughs> to my plate <laughs> since since diagnosis and since having children but um but uh -huh. it's all been <laughs> in a way where i can kind of wear multiple hats and and you know shelve the business and focus on the kids and vice versa um and that's the only way i can i could work at this point i think even now um with the amount of doctors appointments and therapies and um you know, kids being sick or, or needing extra time for school, blah, blah, blah. I just, I can't imagine having a standard nine to five job where I'm away um, right or now. Or walking through a pandemic. Or, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. that's, we need some more, we need some more compounding environmental factors. Let's yeah. pile it on. But yeah, um, it's, it's definitely a work-life balance for me because my work and my home are the same place. And then my children are here as well. So it's, I'm not great at it, you guys. I'm just not. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think my husband would be the first to say, no, she needs to work on this a little bit. So um, I continue to try to find that level of finding fulfillment in my job, but yet taking care of myself and my family as well. So. Mm -hmm. We all what do. about you, Jean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, uh, mine's not as straightforward. I feel uh, like my story would probably resonate with a lot of, um, you know, working professional moms. Um, so, we, I, I'd always from my early twenties or mid twenties on, I owned my own businesses. I'd been in the hospitality industry. Um, I previously lived in Baltimore and then we moved here to Texas. I was three months pregnant with, sorry, not three months. <laughs> uh, I was several months pregnant with McKenna and on bed rest um, and, or modified bed rest. And she literally popped out three weeks after our move. So the plan was going to be that because I had sold my portion of my business, um, to my partner and that I would take a year off like a sabbatical so that I could get us acclimated to our new life in Austin, Austin, there was, you know, no more close family friends, no more, no nanny, no, no house cleaner, nothing. Um, you know, there was a lot to get adjusted to. Um, we did not know Rory was autistic yet. 
Um, he didn't have any diagnosis yet. Uh, once the diagnoses came, um, and like working kind of in the, around about the same time, I was starting relaunching a hospitality business. I was relaunching a catering, a pop-up shop, um, and a consultation business. And, um, his, I was doing it out of home. I was looking at outsourcing, like going, being able to like rent a kitchen space or rent an office space. Um, but there was no way to really manage that. Brad was leaving every day, going to the office and Rory was such an intense sensory seeker. Um, and McKenna still on the boob. Um, I had to forfeit that dream, especially when we got a higher marching order of, of therapies and it, the, my, my trajectory changed in terms of what, what was going to be the plan for how I, the management of all of these new pieces. Like I didn't expect the denials and having to really manage the authorizations and all of those pieces. And that was, that came into focus pretty clearly or pretty early on uh, after diagnoses. And I, then I picked up like some e-commerce businesses and was making some money. Um, but even that that's kind of fell off and exchange having a job for exchanging time for money. It was not a, a thing I could do. I still can't do it. Not barely even inside of the home, um, outside of this time that we make to do this podcast. Basically anything I do really has to have the alignment of the advocacy and betterment of my children and for my children and other people's children. Um, I didn't want to be a stay at home mom. I want to make that be vulnerable enough to say that I love mm -hmm. working. I love having a job. I love being a leader. Um, those are positive outlets for me. I'm, I'm, you know, a, I'm a completely devoted lifelong learner. I always, that's, that's what I enjoy doing. I love progress and evolving and all of that, um, and growing, uh, so it was very hard for me and like grief stricken for me to, to, to let that all go and completely pivot my life for good reason, obviously. But, um, I have, I guess, redirected some of that now, you know, and some of those things that I, fulfillment I got out of a job, I am able to get out of the line of advocacy, mm -hmm. lines of advocacy that I do. So, yeah. And that is extremely beneficial, right? So. Definitely. Yeah. And I want to wow. say too, like you, just, just a little side note, you can progress and grow and change and, and, you know, improve yourself if you are staying at home with your kids. It's just a different way of doing it. And mm -hmm. I've, I've found that I knew I wanted to stay home with my kids when they were little, but I I'm surprised as I've gotten older that I really do crave that that time away or or having a job, um, a, a different job other than you know a caretaker at home. And I do, I don't know. They're both very important, and everybody has different needs that they need to fulfill personally. 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did I just did I make any sense right then? Yes. Okay. You made absolutely. Sense. I think right. a lot I, of people I find themselves you. there, and I hear and I hear also, you know, other moms that once their kids were their autistic kids had approached adolescence, they did find that they could return to some other type to return to their workforce outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Um, but that still is not the case for all right. families. Mm-hmm. There's so socioeconomic um, considerations, you know, you know, finances and um, what else? Uh, you know, the, the, the needs, the need level of our children. So. Yep. Definitely. Shannon. Um, I think for us, you know, with Maya, my 16-year-old, I had no choice. I had to work while she was young. Um, And I was much like Jean, where I never really thought I would be a stay-at-home mom. Um, And then, you know, met Jay, married Jay, got pregnant. And, you know, Jay being in law enforcement, we both were pretty uncomfortable with me continuing to work after having Gracie just from things that law enforcement sees. And it's, it's a lot to give trust over to someone, you know, when they're handling the most important thing that you have in your life. (laughs) Um, And so we made the decision at that point that I would stay home with Gracie. Um, Jay, I'm sure would have happily stayed home with Gracie, but at that point, Jay was five years away, I think from, a lifetime pension. So, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stick it out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the main reason that we decided that I would stay home. So that was pre-diagnosis, right? And I think we thought at that point, like, I'll stay home until she starts kindergarten, and then I would go back to work. I was in the mortgage business at that point. I'd been in for 13 years, six-figure income. Um And we made it work. But in that time, we got Gracie's diagnosis and we started early intervention. And then when that was done, when she was three, we started, you know, the preschool and ABA therapy and occupational therapy and all the other therapies. And it became very obvious that going back even in kindergarten was probably not something that was going to happen for our family. You know, Jay, he retired from law enforcement. He's still a first responder. So his schedule can be all over the place. You know, he's gone for 24 hours at a time, usually sometimes days. Um, And we had to have somebody at home that was able to handle all the driving and all the appointments and all the therapies. And for a very long time, we had the discussion of how do people do this and work? We just didn't understand. Like, how do people do this and work if they don't have help, right? Like we didn't, we don't have nannies. We don't have people that like our parents still work, you know, we don't, we don't have help. Um, And in that time, luckily before I chose to stay home with Gracie, I actually had started a coaching business um, that I was doing on the side from doing mortgage business stuff. And that I got very lucky because I was able to still stay home and bring in income. And we tended to use that income sort of like Brittany, you know, I was able to work from home when I could. And we use that income to fund things like fun things or like clothes that the kids needed, like those things that pop up where it's like, oh, well, now I need tires or my Jeep registrations do or, you know, those things that pop up all the time. And sometimes you want to 
you know, feel like you're getting yeah. kicked in the gut because tires are $800, right? So it was nice <laughs> to have that, like just happened. Uh, it was nice <laughs> to have that, to know like, okay, I can still do something from home. I can still help provide a little bit, um, you know, and I can still handle the therapies. And um, especially coming from someone like me who was so financially self-sufficient before I had to stay home. Yeah, like that's a big transition. That was hard. Yeah, that was very hard for us. Um, and Gracie's in second grade this year. And as of the time that we're, you know, recording this, um, I actually just started going back to work again. Um, but I chose a field that allows freedom of schedule. It doesn't mean I don't have to work. It doesn't mean that I don't have to work hard, but I decided to get into real estate because I knew if I got into real estate, I could work my schedule around the things I needed to get done. And we are still figuring it out as a family. It's a big shift, you know, for seven and a half years, I just handled everything at home and nobody had to wonder. Maya knew it was covered. Jay knew it was covered. Um, And so now we're really having to realign things and figure out who's picking up who when and who's going to cover speech therapy and what's going to happen and what days can, you know, Shannon work a little bit later and what days is Jay working. And it's really trying to figure out what works best for our family. And we are still very much in that (laughs) where we're just trying to figure it all out. Um, But I will say two things that I like strictly believe. Um, And that is one as a mother, you need to have something outside of your children. You don't need to work out of the home. I'm not saying that. Being home with Gracie for seven and a half years was a huge blessing. And Mm -hmm. I would never change that in a million years. Um, But you need to have something. Brittany has her cookie business. Jean has all of her advocacy work and being a trustee and something that, you know, is hers. And, you know, I have my coaching business, but also now I have real estate. And, I've told my husband again and again, like, we know how hard you work for our family. Like, that is not a question at all in our minds. Um, But if if we are the person at home staying home in the trenches at home, while that other partner is out and working and providing, they are also leaving the home. And I I would tell Jay, like, you still get to go out and be Jay. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm mom a hundred percent of the time. Like I only have one hat. I don't get to just be Shannon. Like, and that gets very hard. So, you know, things like Brittany's biz, you know, business and Jean's trustee work, like they're finding a way to be Brittany and Jean and be outside of just that mom hat, which is a blessing. The mom hat is a blessing. Um, But you're more than a mom. You are also your own human. So I I think that that's really, really important. And the other thing that I want to say is for all of you moms out there who have like social selling businesses, um, kudos to you, because I I feel like it gets looked down upon and I feel like um, there's a lot of a stigma that goes along with that. But what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these women, they're not lazy. They're not staying home because they don't want to go to work. They're not not wanting to work hard for their family. Like there are situations at home that do not allow them to get out of the house 
to be able to provide for their family. So if that is you and you are facing like a stigma or feeling bad about what you're doing and all you're trying to do is bring in an income for your family, like, I just want you to know, like, keep your head up and no one knows your shoes until they've walked in them. And if you are a mom that is doing their dangdest to, you know, work at home and be there for your babies and figure out a way to provide income for them, like there is absolutely no shame in that in any way, shape or form. So Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Amen. No, I'm glad you said that because that was (laughs) definitely why at one point I had to step into that arena myself. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I I know like that was, and it helped. It helped with all those extra things, just like Mm -hmm. you said, because things come up, things Mm -hmm. happen. And there are just, there are not, there are unforeseen, unfixed (laughs) variables Mm -hmm. in your life that, um, that can really, that can really plummet you as a family if you aren't prepared for them. And I'm no stranger to that. No. And people who aren't in this life, like they don't realize like the unexpected costs of new therapies all of a sudden, like people just Or when your kids break things. Let's talk about that. Insurance (laughs) covers it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I see people post about like, oh, everybody's selling something or, oh, everybody, you know, I just... I I get defensive because I know that there are so many families out there who this is their only way to provide for their family and still be able to be the mom, dad, you know, parent that they want to be for their kids. Yeah. You know, so if that is you, we love and support you. Yes. Let me just throw that out there. Absolutely. We love and support you. But that is also not an an invitation to come and solicit us for things because I can't (laughs) find anything right now. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Build those relationships, people. Um, so let's look, let's look at the next one. Um, the next one is let's do um finding friends and supporters in your community after your child's diagnosis. Oh yeah. Who wants to dive in first on that one? Hold on, I need to digest that again. So <laughs> reread it. Yeah, reread, reread it. it. Yep. Oh, like out yeah, loud? Do you out want me loud. to reread it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought Jean was reading it to herself. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How how are you finding friends and supportive people in your community after your child's diagnosis? <laughs> we got it together, people. It's all right. We got it um, well, I just wanna say too, like people ask a lot. We met on Instagram, guys. Yes. So um, it's one reason we created the Instagram page is so you can find, like, go see who's following the page and see who's commenting on our posts and reach out to those people because chances are they are just like you. Like, we met on Instagram. So it's not like we live next door to each other and we hung out and, like, had coffee. This is this yeah. is all online here, baby. This is, <laughs> this is, this is how the dream came true. Yeah. Yeah. So go, Brittany, because I totally no, no, that's great. Uh, Yeah, that's how we met is online. Um, Before I met all of you girls on here, I really I'm not really tapped into a lot of um, social media or online communities in the special needs arena. Um, But what I am is I'm tapped into my local community. Um, I've met a lot of people through schools and church and just proximity to my neighborhood. Um, and, uh, that's really, I, I started building those relationships, um, at a very early point, um, when Austin was just starting out with early intervention. Um, 
making friends with therapists and then, you know, a friend of a friend who has a kid the same age who's just been diagnosed. And, you know, it kind of just snowballs from there. I'm trying to be open and welcoming and being a lot of the time for me, it's me being willing to bring it up first or talk about it first or, you know, just, just broach the subject. Um, and that's, that's also true for talking with parents of typical children. Like a lot of people have questions, um, but they are, they're worried or afraid or, scared to ask because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to offend you. Like it's all very well-intentioned and even other parents will be the same way. Other special needs uh, families, um, they don't want to say the wrong thing or, or do something to offend Um, or they're just scared. So um, I find that I have to be bold and I have to bring it up first and talk about it very frankly and very honestly. I'm not divulging life stories or going into the nitty gritty right away. But I say, I, I talk about my children. I say what their diagnosis is. I, uh, I maybe give a little bit more specifics about Austin, how he is non-speaking. Um, I will, you know, talk about which, which, uh, program they are in school. And then people start realizing that I'm willing to talk about it since I brought it up first. And then they will ask questions Mm -hmm. and you can take it from there. And then if I start answering questions, I can then in turn ask questions and they typically tend to reciprocate. Um, and then friendships are born through that. Um, a lot of them fizzle out, you know, or it's just, you know, proximity, like, people that I've had in my kids' preschool classes or whatever. We haven't stayed in touch, really. Other people, it's just been online. We, we Facebook friends or Instagram, and, and we just continued that way. Um, other times, it really does stick. And I have very close friends um, who I see as much as I can who have, uh, you know, are in a similar situation to mine. And we we're there for each other. So we get together when we can mm-hmm. with kids or without kids. And I think having the online um, through your school, through your neighborhood and family, all of those connections together, it's good to <laughs> diversify your portfolio, your, your friendship portfolio. It's not good to just have it all in one place. I'm a big believer in that. So that's what I, that's what I try to do. That is such a perfect way to capture that. We tell one of the first things I learned when I went to Texas parent to parent um, was you can't just, you can't just have, you know, special needs, you know, parent friends, you have to have a diversified, you know, groups. Um, You still have to have some, you know, maintenance of maintaining of, of other friendships. You know, your circles may get smaller, but it changes, it evolves. You may lose people. Um, but you captured that, like that was on the money. That was, that was really good. I like that. Well, thank you. Good visual. I just like diversify your friendship portfolio. Yes. It's all about it. <laughs> well, for those, I feel why like we're, we need to make t-shirts or coffee. We are not, a, we do not have any affiliations with any particular um, group, but I will say there is a um, app and platform called Wolf and Friends that is um, for special needs mamas. So that's another 
that is, I, I was on it for a while. Um, I didn't get the value out of it that I wanted and the connection that I sought out to seek. Um, but that doesn't mean it won't be for someone else. So that is what, an option. What's it called? Wolf? Like W-O-L-F? Wolf. Mm-hmm. Like the du- yeah, wolf the animal? Friends. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like a dating app for special needs parents. Oh, like never heard of it. Finding friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a friend app too, I think, like a jump off of like Bumble. Um, I forget what it's called. But uh, apparently that is also a way to, you know, create a friend profile so you can connect with people that are like-minded like you. Um, Now, I never use that, but we are a tried and true testament of a good (laughs) old-fashioned Instagram connection. Um, Don't knock it till you try it, And this is just one facet. You know, like, mm-hmm. like Brittany described, we all have, like, I have my group of best girlfriends from back East that are still just pillars in my life. Um, and, but it has been harder making connections on the ground. We don't belong to a church um, because I Catholic and my husband was, is Jewish, but he's, he currently no longer practices his faith. And so not belonging to a, a church or a temple, you know, kind of rules out that possibility. So I've had to network a lot. Um, but this avenue, like being a trustee and, you know, having the podcast has opened up a lot of other connections as well, just beyond um, the us, the core group here. So, Yeah. Yeah. But Brittany's is the most holistic, healthy, mindful way, uh. pragmatic way <laughs> of going about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that I've actually made a lot of connections that, like, coincidentally, I am meeting people in my state and area, like, through Instagram, just by being out there on Instagram, yeah. yep. right? So I think Instagram is, like, a huge world, but also not. So I feel like there's things that you can tap into there. But I also think, like... Like Gracie is part of the bridge program, which is the special needs program. And she goes into gen ed classes, but tap into those other parents that are in your kids bridge programs, your kids special needs programs, because your kids go to school every single day, you know, with kids that are similar to them who also have parents who probably feel the same way that you do. Um, So it's being not afraid, you know, not afraid to make connections there, I think is really, really big. Um, I think that that's one of the main ways that I've met other people. And I mean, I've met some amazing people just because of our, our podcast and our, our, you know, amazing community on Instagram. So anything else girls on that one? I just, I just reemphasize again that, you know, I, it's sometimes hard to meet other parents in special needs classes or programs because, of the nature of the program that they don't really get the parents together. It's focused on the kids and there's not necessarily a field trip or a parents volunteering in the class or whatever. So you really do have to be bold and you have to ask, you know, if you're not privy to the personal information of the other parents in the class, uh, ask the teacher to send an email out inviting everyone to meet at the park one day after school, 
you know, something, just anything like that. Or, um, hey, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, we, we will send out birthday invitations for Ruby. Um, th- I'm not privy to the parent information in the class, but the teacher will send it out for me. And we invite the teacher to come as well. And then, then once everyone's together, then I collect numbers and email addresses. And we try to get the kids together um, outside of school um, when it's appropriate. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, that's, that's a really great way, but you have, someone has to do it. So be that person. <laughs> be the one. Be the one. Exactly. The one thing I'll tell you that the teacher, um, just a teacher did this past year was that your teachers can create a live Google doc mm-hmm. and then they offer parents who want to submit their personal information. Yes. Voluntarily. Um, can. And then we all have access. Yeah. Voluntarily. So they all have access to it. So it's not the teacher that is like, disclosing the information that's this is a a avenue that's available um if you want to be you know be a part of a group in a a larger way um so that's another way to do it all right you know just diversify your friendship portfolio like Brittany said, let's make some money. I'm just going to say that over and get, over and over can, again. Can like, you get I paid can't. to be that? Can you now I, be a friendship advisor? <laughs> I, I would do fabulous. You're going to start another home-based Stop. business. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. All what right, what all is right. your job title, Brittany? You're a friendship right. advisor. <laughs> a friendship advisor. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> all right. So, okay. This one is, how do you deal with the collapsing feeling or fear of regressions during breaks from therapy? Uh, how do you approach long breaks from therapy? And I know like Brittany and I are, we're kind of in this. I'm giggling right already. I'm like, well, when you figure that out, let me know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we drink no i'm just kidding Brittany doesn't I drink, don't all, drink. So I don't sometimes wanna, i want I to, to <laughs> Brittany drinks a lot of cider and by the way Kay, if you're listening it's not our fault if she does okay <laughs> we're not taking mama Kay, my mom <laughs> yeah mama Kay. oh mama Kay. no yeah just Kay. she would never she would never uh go go ahead shannon you start and i'll i'll uh kind of piggyback Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will say when we decided to take a break from ABA, it was for um, not only everybody's sanity, but it was also because the turnover rate was just too high with technicians to where it wasn't doing Gracie any good. So it wasn't necessarily hard to make that choice because I'm looking at my daughter and she's essentially become a training tool for an ABA company to keep pumping out, you know, RVTs. So at that point, the decision to take a break was easy. Um, the struggle is now is I think Gracie could use ABA and the struggle now is getting back into the ABA system. Um, when it's, it's hard. I mean, that we could talk for hours and hours about the turnover in this community when it comes to those really highly sought after needed individuals who are underappreciated and don't get paid enough. And, you know, we could go on and on and on for that. Um, so it's hard. And we struggled a lot this summer because Gracie did have behaviors that I think stemmed from, you know, her lack of routine, which I think if we were in ABA, it would have been a lot better. Um, but I think for me, I really have to come to grips with there is always a season, you know, and this summer, I think, was a hard season for me. And it was hard because of the lack of, you know, 
schedule and it was hard because of the lack of therapy. And um, I have also been doing a lot of self-work lately. And I think that I have come to realize that summer is just going to be hard for me anyway. I think that that is when I really realize the difference between our family and what summer looks like and what a quote unquote typical family summer looks like. Um, yeah. And where we struggle. Um, and that became apparent to me this summer, but I'm glad I'm, I'm almost glad that I had a difficult summer because I realized a lot about myself and a lot about our family. And I think that it's data that's going to allow me to go into next summer more prepared. Um, Gracie needs a schedule even during the summer. And so now I know that in January, I have to start being prepared for summer programs. And where that gets tough is we usually don't know in January if Gracie's going to qualify for ESY. So what does that mean? That means that I need to do the due diligence in January to figure out what she is going to do during the summer that is going to keep her on track while she may not have ABA therapy. Um. You guys, I do a lot of personal development. (sighs) I do a lot of reading and a lot of listening to mindset things. Um, And I think that that's really, really important in the lives that we live um, is being able to shift your perspective. I think you need to be careful what you take in. I think social media, while it's amazing, it's also terrible at the same time. I think it can be a big, (laughs) big source of comparison. Um, so I think, I think you really need to pay attention to, you know, the accounts that you're following and the things that you're seeing and how they make you feel. And if they're not helping you, I think it's time to unfollow. Um, and nobody can tell you, like, unfortunately, we can't tell you when a good time to take a break from therapy is. And, um, because all of our kids regress in different ways, you know, it's hard, it's hard to give you we can't tell you how to feel about it. Um, but I really, I really do try to realize that everything is a season. And now that Gracie's schedule is back to normal, we're seeing behavior changes again. And now that her screen time is reduced, we're seeing that she's happier and it's a learning tool, you know, I wish I had a better answer. (laughs) What about you ladies? Yeah. Um, um, go ahead, Jean. I, uh, think, well, so we have technically, have, we've only had breaks from private and home, um, from speech and OT. ABA has maintained um, privately, whether it was in the center or at home. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole, uh, when they, you have to watch that, you have to mitigate, you know, that's one of the things you have to mitigate with ABA therapy is that they're not, you're not spending too much time repairing your child with a therapist over and over again, because Mm -hmm. they're not getting, getting to the work. And then, you know, Shannon's looking for her commission check for, you know, (laughs) use putting her, putting her daughter out for that. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, we can make those kind of jokes in this group. Um, It's not to really like undercut exactly like that is, it is a serious, it is serious issue, serious problem. Um, and if you're not self-aware, if you're not, if you don't know that as a parent yet, especially going into that arena, it can really blindside you and you're not realizing why, well, why is this therapy not working? And you don't, you don't know to look for that. Um, but, uh, you know, we had a year where 
we were quote unquote divorced from the school district. And so I had to, you know, there was, there wasn't the services and educational aspect that, that Rory needed, even though much of that is looped into ABA. What one thing to like that level of, you know, distinction is that you can't do things that are educational under the health guise of healthcare. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very tight line to walk. Um, and that's, that is another episode. The, we never had regressions, right? We've had backsliding or like what we will call, cause that's the thing. So yes, th- these backsliding things can count as regression, right? From when I, on school eligibility paper trails and health insurance mm-hmm. trails. Um, but he's never like lost the skills. He's probably have had like behaviors that have kind of, you know, come back up or resurfaced. Um, we needed to maybe do some maintenance in a certain, certain areas, but I would never, why, why you could make the data look like it's regression, know that real, real regression is like complete loss of skill um, as a parent, because it's got all those, those kinds of paperwork and all of those assessments and testing and all that stuff that's going on can really convolute that area and not, and make it kind of muddy and murky. Um, and addressing what your kids needs now, that's also a leveraging tool again, for when you need to get back in the arena of getting re-offs and, and setting certain therapies and supports back up because you can say, you can, create a data trail or you have historical account of like what has been happening and that that will benefit and help you. Um, I think in the beginning I was petrified of losing ground Mm -hmm. in the beginning. I was petrified. So if like that question is coming from a parent who of a newly diagnosed child, I remember that collapsing fear. Mm-hmm. you know, of being so scared. If I'm not doing all of these things, what's going to happen to my kid? Right. Um, does that make me a bad parent? I, I completely resonate with that feeling and, and that, that duration as time has went on, I have, you know, cause also walking through a pandemic that had death has, has definitely impacted the amount of kinds of services our kids can get because it's been like availability of people schedules, you know, your people quarantining. Um, you had the formats changing from like a telehealth model or metal, you know, or, um, yeah, telehealth or tele-ed model to, you know, in person and, and that co- constantly swapping places. And so all of those things, added different, different layers. Um, and you learned, I guess we were, you become more adapted. Uh, it's one of those things that you become more adapted, like, like the wheel of adaptation and the grief that comes along with the fear and anxiety and depression of Mm -hmm. if I'm not doing X, Y, and Z therapy, and I'm not doing it exactly this way, what's this going to mean for my child? Or this must be, why this is happening or that is happening. And so you gotta, when you, you can recognize when you, 
when you realize that that is the grief taking over, then you can, you can identify it. And, and maybe those feelings and that collapsing fear becomes, you know, fleeting. It's not going to stick with you. It's not going to stay with you because you can redirect it or you have another plan in place, hopefully that you are constantly striving for solutions um, that are going to work for you and your family. And it's going to, it's going to take different shapes and forms. Like ours is right now. It is where we are now is not what it looked like before, you know, and, um, I'm, I'm certain that, you know, ABA is going to even start dropping off a little bit more, um, in the coming, you know, future. His, his data looks really good. School is really great. I agree with you, Shannon. I think summer is always going to be super hard and I don't have a plan for, for that. Like still, Mm -hmm. and I know come January, you know, we all talked about like, coming up with our, with our summer plans, um, because you have to plan that far out, which is like so crazy and insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to love when therapies used to call and it would ask me, well, we need to know what the summer schedule is and what next year's school schedule is. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that happened on repeat. I was like, so basically I have off for four months of, of not planning a whole schedule. So once September kicks in till December, it's fine. But when January hits, you guys are already knocking at my door going, what is the plans for the rest of the year? And I'm like, we're not, we're just halfway through school, man. You're like, I'm over here. You're operating in like a calendar year, the (laughs) fiscal school year, and then the fiscal health insurance year. It's like, how many calendars do I have? Mm-mm. A lot. I'm just uh, I'm just over here like Karen. I don't even know what I'm doing next Thursday. So um, I don't know what I'm yeah, doing tomorrow. I don't know what to tell you about next summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, ma'am. Yeah. So that that's I think that's my that's my piece. I'm not. I don't know if I. I hope that that gives some advice and some relief to just a re- recognizing that I definitely felt that and it does come back up. You know, but do you, do you, you guys feel like, adapted. do you guys feel like, cause I, I know I talk about this all the time and it's like, Gracie has like cycles and seasons. Do you guys feel like your families run like Very that much. too, where it's just, it's almost like a wheel where it's like, oh dude, we're doing great. We're doing great. Okay. Oh, 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 oh no. Oh no. Nope. Now we're getting run over by the wheel. And then after being run over by the bottom of the wheel, then we start coming back up again. Yes. Um, And I've sort of had to look at Gracie's. I wish every, we should video this. I wish people could have seen my like fingers and my face. Um, but I digress. Um, I feel like it always comes in seasons and cycles like that. And I think, Jean, you made a really good point of pointing out, you know, if this is somebody asking the question who's just new to this journey, they won't have picked up on that yet, right? Like they're not in it far enough to realize that this is regular, like the buildup of skills and regression and losing a little bit of some and then... Yeah the cycle of it. And I think that I find comfort in knowing that, like, so when I am in a season of regression, I do know, like, it's like, eventually we're going to come back around. It may not look the same. It may not be the same, but like, eventually we're going to get through this. Um, and that just, that only comes with experience. So Brittany, yeah. with all the experience, mm. what do you think? I feel old when you guys say yeah. that, <laughs> but okay. She's wah, a little wah. cast iron skillet. 
You just had babies earlier. That's what it is. That's okay. I will. I will yeah, take the cast just, iron skillet analogy. Earlier. I will be well seasoned. That's that sounds lovely. Um, okay. So um, yes, the hamster wheel. Um, once you've done it a few times, you will recognize the pattern. We very much have those same patterns, those seasons, those cycles. Ruby and Austin have different cycles and seasons. Um, it is mm-hmm. not the same. So it not only do I have that in my life, but I have multiple wheels going. So it's a little, a little crazy sometimes. But I will say. It's a little Cirque du Soleil. It is. That she like does. Hula hoops on the hands and the <laughs> neck and the waist and yeah, all over the place. Um, Aerial so suspended, today. suspended from the ceiling. Brittany is magnificent. You can see her in Vegas. I'm just <laughs> Six nights. <laughs> on stage left. <laughs> oh, girl. No, but. Uh, sorry, Mama Kay. Go on, right, Brittany. Right. But um, I will say, though, I will say in all seriousness, we have experienced true regression in our house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Specifically with Austin. Austin used to be potty trained. Uh, he was he would be able to go through the entire school day wearing underwear and then come home and we would put a pull-up on and we would work through um, bowel movements time because he would not poop in the toilet. And then for the rest of the day, once we got that, that portion, that little event done, um, he would go back into underwear until bedtime. Austin currently, as of as of today, is 100% in pull-ups. We have completely lost that skill. He will not even, I can hardly get him to sit on the toilet. And this is a direct um, regression and um, issue that we are dealing with because of COVID. I blame COVID 100%. <laughs> And being all of a sudden at home and just completely rocking his world. Um, so yeah. so it. I, I'm telling you right now, listener out there, for those of you who are terrified of it, I literally have had this happen to me. And it's a big one. Potty training is a big one. Now, mm-hmm. I am still alive. I am still here to tell the tale. I am here to tell you mm-hmm. that I am still a happy person. And I'm here to tell you that Austin is still a happy person. Okay. Now mm-hmm. it is really, really hard. And I deal, deal with some really, really interesting, like bodily fluid stuff here at my house. And um, I'm not going to go into all the details. Uh, if you really, really want to know, send me an email and I will tell you all about it. Um, but uh, it send that to bodily fluids at momstalkautism.com. <laughs> don't do that. Brittany at momstalkautism.com. That, that email does not exist. <laughs> but it, it should. should. No, no, just go Brittany at <laughs> okay. momstalkautism. Sorry, but, go on. But, but yes, but I just want to let you know, like, it is not, it is literally not the end of the world. It is really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Uh, but, but you can still move forward. Now, have we given up on the potty training? Not necessarily. I am still trying to figure out how to approach it with with all of the regression and complete loss of skill that we've had i cannot just go back to the way we did it before because austin's smart and he knows he knows that that uh mm-hmm. song and dance so we have to come up with new strategies um but i will say that if that does happen to you if if by some unfortunate circumstance you lose a vital skill your child regresses in that way it is not a reason to necessarily despair. 
Um, there are ways to move forward. You just maybe have to be a little bit more creative about it. And you have to have a lot of patience. And I think the best thing you could do is find other people in in your community or in your world who you can talk to about that. These ladies know all of the poop and pee stuff because <laughs> code brown and code brown code brown is our thing. Yes, code brown. Mm-hmm. Um, because because we. I feel safe with them and I know that um, they will understand and they will not judge me and they will not judge my son. And they, they, they're here to help me in any way possible, even offering, you know, their own advice or their own observations, which I truly appreciate. So just keep that in mind. And I think I want to point out too, Brittany, we've talked about this before, but also there is no shame in deciding at some point that you need to take a break for your Correct. mental health. So like Brittany has stood back and she said, okay, it's pull-ups for now while we figure out a new plan instead of forcing it and fighting it and fighting it and making it a huge source yes. of stress. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Your mental health also matters. So yeah, yeah. that's really good oh, to clarify that. It's true. It's true. And, and I, I also, one more quick thing, um, as far as regression grows or changing up therapies or, you know, deciding to cut back on whatever you need to take, take a look at your child, obviously, and what's best for them and, and observe and, um, kind of be in tune. You also need to be in tune with yourself. Just like Shannon said, you need to protect your own mental health, but you need to look at your entire family dynamic. Um, we have stopped therapies or, um, temporarily um, taken breaks from therapies to help my other children too, my neurotypical children. You know, it's not just all about Austin all the time, every day. It's sometimes it feels like that, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And I'm sure maybe they would say differently, <laughs> but, yeah. but <laughs> some, sometimes it's, it, we need to focus on other children or we need to focus on, I need to focus on my marriage or I need to focus on me or I need to focus on whatever. Um, there's a time and a season for all those things. So it, it is, it's, it's not only about Austin or Ruby's progress. It's about my entire family's well-being and progress. And I just, I'm a big, big believer in that. And it's really, really important to be mm-hmm. able to step back and try to look at that whole picture too, and how that's working for your family. Yeah. So I think it is so a good way to kind of even like, capture that a little bit because essentially there's almost like two different houses. You have your houses for, you know, how much energy you are going to have to spend on a certain child. So while you still may be spending more energy, you know, more energy requires more support for Austin you have pivoted some of your strategy and your decision-making then to prioritize. So it's like the decision-making part is a different house than really also the the distribution of energy that is going to take place. So it's almost like there are certain fixed variables. Um, So you know you have these fixed variables, but now you have to look at the house. House is a little differently. You have to... um, So it's not really you know, it's why it may still occur to your other children. Like, okay, mom still is going to be spending 80% of her time tending to Austin, but we took this one element out for now so that we can make room 
for, you know, Scott and Tyler to do X, Y, and Z. Am I, does that that sound like a good visual? I think, I think just so that, because I feel like I do similar things, right? It's, but I'm still finding myself, my energy, the actual physical energy that's being spent is still going, you know, towards Rory, but I've been able to, um, some of my strategy as time has gone on to support my own daughter has been, um, been that, um, one thing I also wanted to point out, cause when you're talking, you talked about his regressing on his skill, right? There are also, and this is where I would like for people or our listeners to make sure that they definitely seek, um, you know, uh, help from a medical professional, like a neurologist there, there is actual, um, rare deteriorative neurological conditions that can be identified through blood work, um, that can, you know, can coincide with autism, um, actually be autism. There is, um, is a guy, one of the original families I used to follow was called autism daddy. And his son has that rare form of autism that he did gain a bunch of skills and was doing great, 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 great. And then completely just downward. And it was no matter what therapy, no matter what medication, everything, it, it was complete loss of skill. So it's why they're really, it's almost like you do have different ways again, like I'd mentioned before, assessing the regression and part of not feeling hopeless is not being scared to be curious and stay curious about what's going on with your, with your child and other ways. And, and like, like Brittany said, being innovative and thinking about other ways that you can support your child and also assessing like, again, how serious it is. And unfortunately it does require our own discernment as parents. Um, I just know that that's a, that's a thing. And we, while Rory has been potty trained since he's been four, you know, as I've talked about on our potty training episode, like we had regression in some behaviors around fecal matter (laughs) because he was acquiring the skill of finally wiping himself. He was not doing that before, right? Even though he was using the toilet, but those other skills were being further developed. And then therefore now we had this like other fecal issue. I also would like to do a shameless plug for the three of us who are really great experts at stain removing. I'm fabulous. (laughs) Uh, But, but, but Brittany may win, but but Brittany Brittany might win the blue ribbon (laughs) award for it. She has a whole fantastic system. If she hasn't done it on her story, on our stories Mm -hmm. before, she should walk you through her laundry room and um, y'all can see her systems um, for what is what and what she recommends. I think it's incredibly helpful. Um, just <laughs> lots of institutional wisdom there. We didn't plan to be experts in no. that arena, but um, what do you, you say? Know. Reluctant, reluctant yeah. experts, reluctant experts. <laughs> um, and maybe we need to create a bodily fluids at moms talk autism. Maybe that's the <laughs> people can send in their pictures what do i do with this thing yeah (laughs) what do i do we don't need photos just tell us what it is it's like the the new doctor doctor pimple pop whatever throw up in my okay and with that we're gonna wrap up we're gonna wrap up um okay guys let's do 
peak of mm. the week. We don't have Tosh here to sing our jingle. Peak um, of the week. Way to go, Tosh. Mm-hmm. Peak of the week. Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Peak of the week. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Brittany. I we tried. have to have somebody step in because Tosh left us. <laughs> um, all right. In the peak of the week, because no matter how much of a crap storm life is, there is always at least one thing to be thankful for. Um, so what do you got, girls? What do you got? <laughs> I can go. I'll go. Go. Okay. Let's hear it, Jean. I can go. This is a good one. This is a real feel good. So in Rory is now officially nine years old. Um, his birthday was yesterday. For the first time ever, I was able to go into to his classroom to just be a mom in the classroom. Um, and I got to read books to his class. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got that. to exit without distress. So what used to always occur was I'd walk in the room and he was immediately like, okay, time to go pack up, leave mom's here. I'm leaving. And there would Mm -hmm. be no way. And then he was hyper attending to me the entire time I'd be in the classroom. This time he was totally in his element. He understood what mom was there to do. He was fine with me coming in and going. He was happy. There was, that's never happened. And that was amazing. And also, I will plug Meg Raby's books while we're on here, which was my brother Otto. So I yes, so good. The original one, and I wrote and the birthday party because I got it last week. It's a new release, and I highly recommend having both books. The second book, she really does do even a further deeper dive in illustrating different nuances um, in Otto's autism, and it's wonderful and we had i led discussion with the students on both books and it was so so good. it was so sweet it was amazing awesome so i love that i love that and i love those books love we got to get with meg we got to okay we got to get with Meg. side note Brittany, she knows she knows what's your peak <laughs> i'm filing i have so many different ones i could choose i'm trying to decide which which way to go um that's a great problem it is. Have, by the way. Oh my god. It's gosh. a wonderful problem to have. Um I Okay. We had a our first cross country high school cross country meet this last week for my son. Um he is a freshman in high school and he did amazing and I just could not be more proud of him. Like it was such a big deal to see him working so hard to do something and do well at it and complete it and um and seem like kind of invigorated by the whole experience like wow that was really cool and and just having uh, if i can recommend anything if you're nervous about your kiddo getting into you know going into high school or a new school if you can get them involved in a summer sport before school starts like a cross country or a mm-hmm. volleyball or something where they have practices before that first day of freshman year, um, they will already have built-in friends. Um, I'm not saying that everything will be perfect or wonderful, but but they're going to know kids at the school, right? And I, it, this transition from, from middle school to high school has been very smooth because he had interactions with kids of all grade levels um, all summer long. So, uh, you know, cross country isn't yeah. for everyone, myself included, but mm-hmm. uh, fi- find something like that <laughs> if you can. Uh, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. So, yeah. 
Amen. And depending on where you live, like those fall sports are different everywhere, right? Because of weather and stuff. So yeah, just those first season sports, that definitely helps. Um, For me, I think it's just feeling like Gracie is back in school and we're hitting a routine and her mood has boosted significantly since that started. And that after having a very rough summer is just such a like relief. It's the, it's just such a stress relief for me. Um, and I'm sure for her. Yeah. So um, that that's my peak of the week. And this could air in January and you could be very confused, but that's just what it is right now. So, <laughs> all right, girls got anything else? Uh, no, we good? I think this was I mean, a fabulous episode if i do say so myself (laughs) we're gonna leave ourselves five stars (laughs) i'm gonna yeah i mean i would if i could but you should somebody should yeah yeah um and we're like oh this will be a quickie and we're at one hour and three minutes so thank you guys so much for being here we just we value our time with you guys so much and we honor this community and we just we love you so much and thank you for being a part of it um drop us a review come and find us um on instagram at moms talk autism we're there all week um and we love chatting with you guys so we will see you next time have a great day everybody bye